I guess maybe I'm just saying this just to make an, make an announcement. Um, you know, there's a lot that's going on in the world right now. And, um, and just so you know kind of where I stand, I have kind of pretty much just kind of totally engaged, disengaged from that. Um, I really have. I've pretty much disengaged from it. Um, I expect the world to act worldly. And at this point, I expect the majority of the church to act worldly. And so I don't have a problem with the world acting a fool because the Bible already said that they would act a fool. I don't even necessarily have a problem with going on in this nation because Jesus is the one who said a house divided will never be able to stand forever. So the very fact that we have two parties, what you see on television was inevitable because it's not one, it's two. And both sides think they're right, and both sides are usually wrong. Sometimes one side is more right than the other. But I'm disengaging from it, and I'm mostly disengaging from it because I told you I was going to go on record, and we were going to go on record as taking the right stand. Just because you take the right stand doesn't mean things are going to turn out right. They'll turn out right for you in eternity. You know, and so God gives people a chance, and right now everyone thinks they're an expert on a great many things, and most people are an are just completely ignorant on everything. And you know, and I think the part that grieves me more than anything else, <clears throat> I think the part that grieves me more than anything else is uh, <clears throat> there's this culture, you know, I've kinda, I don't even pay attention to really too much to social media. I go in there and check it maybe, I don't know, two, three times a day. And uh, I don't even pay attention to the comments now that we do uh, streaming um, because I can't. I won't pay attention to any comments on social media about this church unless my staff brings it to my attention and believes it's something that needs to be addressed. Because what you have on social media is you have ones that give you the thumbs up. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you listen to that too much, it begins to feed into your pride. Then you have the other ones who they know nothing about me, nothing about my teaching, nothing about what I do in private, and they know nothing about this church, and they know nothing about you. They turn on the broadcast to listen and wait and watch for me to say one thing they disagree with, to use that as a seed for them to then now say that I'm not this and I'm not that and all that type of stuff. And you never, we're gonna, you're gonna, you'll never be able to do anything great without idiots who talk about you. You know, they did the same thing to Jesus. They'll hear one thing that you preach. And because they don't believe in dreams and visions, I'm a false prophet. They'll watch this broadcast and see a real prophet give people a word that will come to pass like we always see. But then they will say that you showboat. They don't know us and they don't know Jesus. They just think they do. Okay. So I'm disengaging from all of that. You know, uh, the world is going to be the world. The chaos is going to be the chaos is going to implode further. And just like the best is yet to come for us, the worst is yet to come for them. And so I'm disengaging from all of that because I'm tired of trying to tell Christians a truth that they don't want to hear. So I'll let them just watch. Let me tell you something. Whether you like President Trump or not, there is a huge problem when all social media platforms have shut him down. Whether you like him or not, whether you think he got a big mouth or whether you think he is for God or against him, anytime Twitter disbands his account 
Facebook and Instagram suspend his account so that he can't say nothing to anybody until he gets out of office, there is a huge problem. Anytime CNN has now met with executives to try to figure out a way to shut down Fox News, that is a huge problem. Anytime any party, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, or Alien, anytime any party is now trying to change words that are in the Bible and say that we can no longer use words like father and mother and brother and sister, here come the monster. And most of the body of Christ is just not ready for the monster because they ain't been fighting monsters. They've been fighting humans. And you can never fight a monster by preparing on humans because monsters are not like humans. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm going to just let it come on in and keep on walking in victory and rising. My sole purpose now is to do what the Lord told me to do. Lead. Focus on souls. That was, we had a meeting this morning about simply blowing this church up and focusing on souls. I'll let all the other Christians argue about stupid stuff. That's all they know how to do is just argue, argue, argue. Judge pastors, judge the president. Uh, let's get this right. The Bible says to read the Bible on a regular basis. Oh, you don't. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. You very rarely pray. You don't know how to get healed, and you still living paycheck to paycheck trying to get out of debt. And if a demon showed up, you'd run and call a pastor, wouldn't know what to do. But you're an expert on everybody else. The Bible says... You can't see clearly to see a speck in someone's eye until you take care of the log that's in yours. And the crazy part about this scripture is he assumed that all of us had a log. That's what's so deep about that scripture. It's a, the assumption is from that scripture is we all have logs in our eyes. That's why the Bible says don't judge lest you be judged. And then when you criticize, 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 well, then guess what? God is going to criticize, criticize, criticize you when you stand before him. And I'm trying to set up my judgment where God does not criticize me. He's going to say, you know what? You started out acting crazy, but you know what? You got your double-breasted lips together. I don't have nothing to say to you. Do you realize how crazy it is when you can create your own type of judgment? He said, how you judge it's how you're going to be judged. So if you cool with God judging you the same way you judge President Trump, keep running your mouth. If you cool with God judging you the same way you judge pastors you don't know, keep running your mouth. If you cool with judging other Christians because they sin, even though you sinned yesterday, keep running your mouth. I'm trying to close mine so that God will keep his clothes when I stand before him. Oh, God. Ah. <laughs> oh, I feel a... Gangster. Y'all understand what I'm saying? We catching up with what we should have already been walking in, which is shutting up. And focus on the ones that want to come in. The ones that want to stay out, y'all going to stay out there and die. And I'm not going to have a problem with the world. I'm going to have a problem with the folk who think they're closer to Jesus than we are. And ain't none of us really close to him. We just know about him a little bit and know about what he did for us. It's going to be a good year. Tell me it's going to be a good year. Psalm 17, 14. Throw them down to the ground. 
those who live for only this life on earth. Thrust them out of their prosperity and into the lower portion in eternity, leaving their wealth and their wickedness behind. Okay. So we've been talking about this <clears throat> heavenly reward system. And, you know, I just mentioned this, you know, I did the funeral for one of our members yesterday. Her dad passed. And, um, and I'm always amazed and I'm always saddened because when you do a funeral, it's a little bit difficult at first because most of the people there are new. A lot of them haven't been living right. A lot of them have opinions about God and preachers, which is usually negative. And so I have to fight through the mean mugging and the looks. I really don't like you, even though I haven't heard what you said. As I start carrying myself and walking amongst the people, they kind of start loosening up. You might not be crazy, but we'll have to wait. And so then, you know, I, I do weddings the same way, but I never do funerals the same way. Never. I just, I'm always like, well, what do you want me to share? And, uh, and it's always sad me when I minister the word to the people and then People come up to me at the end like yesterday with tears in their eyes. Sir, I've been out to church, but this is the first time I have ever been in church and understood. That's what I hear. Thank you. That's beyond sad. I, I hear it every week. This is the first time that I'm in church and I understand. And one of your girls, she just, she just sat there and looked at me. She said, from the time that you got up to this time you sat down, she said, I understood every point. I was able to follow you, and I understood every single thing that you said. And she said, that's never happened to me in church before. That's supposed to be the testimony in every church. See, there's a difference between building men versus building ministries. When you're building a ministry, you're only concerned about the people being there. But when you're building men, you all know, it's, just, it's a difference. You know, to, to sit up here and look at a scripture, and there's a difference between trying to get people to say amen versus trying to get people to understand. And when you try to get people to say amen, you're just trying to put words together to get a clap and a rise and an amen out of them. When you want them to understand, you look at the scripture and say, Holy Spirit, give me an example so that they understand. That's the difference between Jesus and, and the religious dudes. Religious dudes want you to see them. The right dudes want you to see Jesus. I'm all, I want to stand before the Lord, and when he sees me coming, he smiles. Yeah. Oh, man, that's the dude. I got a relationship with all of these people because of that guy. Yeah. How he carried himself caused me to have a closer relationship with my brothers and sisters and children. Not, not they got offended. I get people calling me. I just had a girl call me the day before yesterday. I got to leave certain things out, but she went to a particular church, and she left it. She said, ain't no way in the world God is real based on the way that this pastor is treating me. And she worked at this church. And she said, not only about church, she said, I left God. Went out there and just acted a complete fool. And, but, the, but the Lord knew what the real reason was and why she left. She didn't leave because she was mad at God. She, she, she left because she had a misinterpretation of God. And so because the Lord knew her heart, that you would have never left if you hadn't been treated right. So I had to put her in the category of what the scripture says. I said, oh, it blew her mind. I said, oh, you're in the category of the ones that God says in the last days. He said, 
What I will do is, is that I will scatter the sheep away from these raggedy pastors. And then I will slowly kill the pastor. Whether it be physical death or I'll just dry up his ministry and dry up his influence and dry up what he was trying to build. And then once he is dead enough and you recognize that he's not dead, then I'll raise up other pastors and I'll draw the flock back to them. So what's going on in the body of Christ right now? That's why somebody disconnected. Because these men are teaching them to follow them and not follow Jesus. How many know if you follow me, we both going to the ditch. And then I'm going to ask you to let me out first because I'm the pastor. You know what I'm saying? That type of crazy stuff. Okay? So, you know, I just threw that in there. Uh, you know, about the purpose of why we are doing everything. Okay? But here in, in this Psalm 17, 14, it says, Throw them down to the ground who live only for this life on earth. And this is what he said. Throw them out of their prosperity. So to the degree that you keep trying to focus on worldly things will be the degree that you will lose your prosperity on the other side. You're actually kicking yourself out of what God has for you. Right? And I wrote down here just so I could put it together. It's a very difficult concept to grab hold of at first. That you are not supposed to live for the place where you are, but you are supposed to live for the place where you are going. And I'm telling you, because I'm changing, it's very difficult to get that consciousness to stay in your mind and your heart. Stop living for this place. Live for the one that, live for the one you're going to, even though you can't see where you're going. You know the way because Jesus said, I am the way. He said, follow me and you'll get there, but you haven't seen there. And you got to build up everything for a place that you haven't seen. Luke 9, 23, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Number one, take up your cross daily. Number two, and follow me. Number three, you always have to read the scripture slowly. You got to do all things, all three. He said, if you want to be my follower, this is how you follow me. If you don't follow that way, you're going to get lost. I have a graphic here. And those are the three things if you want to take a picture of it. It says, give up your own way. You know, I don't know why this example came to me last night. Maybe because I've heard men complain about this over the years. You know, and, and ladies, if this is you, just keep a straight face. Sometimes a lady will ask her husband to wash the dishes. And he starts washing them. And she does not like the way. in which she is washing them. So it perturbs her, it bothers her, it frustrates her. It's not an issue if the dishes are going to be clean or not. It's an issue of, and when I wash the dishes, okay, um, I wash them in the left side, and then I put them on the right side, and then I, uh, I turn the water on to rinse off that dish, and then I put it in the thing. Okay, well, here come my husband, is what he decided to do is, number one, he just leaves the water running. And instead of washing one dish and rinsing it, he washes a whole bunch of dishes and just put them all on that side and let the water run all over them like that. And so she does not like the way in which he is doing it, so it frustrates her. So that's what it means when it says, give up your own way. There are some things that you are doing, and not only do I not like the way that you are doing it, 
I don't like the way you are doing it because it's not going to come with the right outcome. The dishes are not going to be clean. And we swear what we're doing. We swear up and down that we know what we're doing until we crash. So give up your own way. Give up your way of dating. Your way of marriage. Your way is to live with somebody. My way is for you to stay single and then, well, you can't stay single until you get married. You get my point. Do it the right way. Quit compromising. You got your way of handling money, and I got the way that I want you to handle money. I understand that your way is to hold on to what they did, but that's not my way. So in order for you to follow me and get to my destination, you're going to have to do it my way. What's this guy that sang that song? Frank Sinatra, there it is. That's not a good example. I just realized that. God should be singing that song. And he said, take up your cross daily. Okay? That means you're going to have to die to self every day. In order to follow Jesus, you have to die to self every day. In order to follow Jesus, you have to make a determine, when that person cuts me off in traffic, am I going to do it Jesus' way and let it go, or am I going to do it my way and give them the middle finger? You're going to have to die to self daily. When I get to the job and I run into my manager who did not even speak to me, am I going to speak anyway and do it the Jesus way, or am I going to do it my way and not speak back? I need to get off of that. We are all in this number someplace. And that's why Jesus said, it's going to be like a cross. Jesus had to carry his, that was not an easy thing, to carry that cross to his death. That thing represented him dying. Jesus did not want to die on the cross. People think he just wanted to do that. That is entirely a lie. He did not want to do that. And when it came time for him to do it, that's why I don't like about the King James Version in this. You can miss what he was saying. He was asking, he said, can this cup pass for me? Do I have to drink this, Father? Are you sure it's not another way? And that's why he asked the disciples to pray for him. Because he knew what he had to do, and then the reality of what he had to do started to hit him. I'm getting ready to be tortured and go to hell. So he went out there, and he, was, he said, disciples, I need y'all to pray for me. I'm struggling. Jesus struggled. And he went out there and prayed. And y'all remember the prayer? He said, Father, if this cup can pass by me, please, is there another way? I just don't want to do this. I'm, I'm, I know I agreed to agreed to do this but I'm changing my mind now and 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 all the time he was praying the father didn't say nothing because he wasn't gonna say nothing because he already agreed upon this you already know you got to do this you're just struggling he didn't say anything and that's why all of a sudden Jesus just switched it and said well you ain't said nothing so let your will be done he just settled with himself oh I die let me die Luke 9:24. if you try to hang on to your life you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. He put it in there, my sake. Don't just be giving up your life for stupid stuff. You're out there in the middle of the jungle and you're going to die for a giraffe so he can live. Some crazy people like this. They'll give their life for an animal in a second, not me. Tornado coming in, you trying to hold on to the tree so they don't fall down. Chill behind in the house. <clears throat> if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Which lets you know you got two different type of lives. Now, what's very interesting is, is that Jesus had to follow the same principle. 
Jesus had to give up his life. He had to, do you know that the only reason why you're sitting here is because Jesus had to give up his life to gain you? He would have never gained you if he had never given up something. Look at this graphic that I, this is really good, Holy Ghost gave me. There is always something good on the other side of what you give up for God. There is always something good on the other side of what you give up for God. There is always something good on the other side of what you give up for God. And you're not giving it up. It's just an exchange. You're not really giving up anything. Okay. I want to give you $500. So I need you to give up 20. See, the thing is that when God tells you to give up something, he never tells you what he's going to exchange it for. So you won't give it up because you think you're losing. There is no loss in God. It's only gain. It's only increase. It's only increase you more and more and take you from glory to glory. So what we call giving up something is not even giving up. It's actually just an exchange. You give up something and we're going to give you something in return. Give up your life and we'll give you another one. Give up your sinner life and we'll give you a righteous life. Give up the human life and we'll give you a God life. But you got to give it up first, and then we show you. You ever seen that little um, picture? I don't know if it's on social media or wherever it is. And it shows a picture of Jesus standing in front of a child. And he's asking her for the little small teddy bear. But he doesn't show her that he has one about ten times that size behind his back. And she won't give up the teddy bear because she thinks she's getting ready to lose. When God, whenever God is asking you to give, it's because he's trying to actually just say, I need to exchange. Can we do a trade? I need you to trade the small for the big. Get, can we trade? I want you to give up the good for the best. And just enough for the excellent. If you try to hang on to it, though, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Whew. All right, so last week, I'm just branching these two scriptures. We're talking about the law of exchange and the heavenly reward system and all of the things that we can do in order to build up heavenly rewards. And last week, we just mentioned these two things in Revelation 5, 8. When he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And then in Revelation 8, 3 through 5, it says, Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people, which is a different type of incense, as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. I know that looks mystical and magical. And the smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth. Thunder crash, lightning flash, and there was a terrible earthquake. Okay? So we learned last week that when you pray, prayer is it's multifold, multifaceted, multipurposed. You pray, it brings answers. You pray, it builds you up. You pray, it builds sensitivity. You pray weapons and forces and light is released in order to destroy the enemy. And then when you pray, 
the substance of that prayer is turned into different type of incense that God uses as ingredients for other things. <laughs> okay, so that's the prayer part in regards to it's called a law of conversion. Everything you do on planet Earth is converted to something up there. That's why the Bible says nothing. Why would the scripture say this? Nothing you do for the Lord is useless. Nothing. Small things, big things, medium sized. Nothing you do for the Lord. Doesn't matter who sees it or not. If you did it in a secret and nobody knows. If you did the right thing and they don't give you a pat on the back. I don't need a pat on the back when God gives me a pat on the back. When God gives you a pat on the back, you might, it's going to break your back. Yeah. <laughs> you around, I don't even know I want to be healed, Lord. This just feels so good. Okay. Psalms 141, verse 2. Accept my prayer. That's why this says this. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands. My upraised hands as an evening offering. Okay, so you can see again, you know, the Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word or principle be established. You don't establish doctrines on one scripture. Got to find a bunch more. So you'll see this pattern in scripture where your prayers are always turned into incense. The Bible says that even your tears are put in a bottle, and an angel carries it to heaven, and they're poured on a book, and they become word and languages. Everything in planet Earth is converted to something up there. That's why God wants you to be so sold out because he, y'all, this is a crazy thing. Heaven is not a completed place. It's constantly evolving and changing and increasing based on what God's children do. We think it's done. It's not. It's not even close to being finished. It won't finish until the time clock runs to zero and everything starts over on a different level. Heaven is constantly under construction. It is constantly, and I know some people are going to talk about me because they have no understanding about this, but the Bible makes it clear. It makes it clear. Watch this. If the Bible says that our prayers are turned to incense, that means then if I pray, then I'm producing incense. And if you don't, it's not producing it. That right there shows you that heaven is constantly changing. Now, watch this. I'm, produce, I'm praying, I'm producing incense, right? You're not praying, so you aren't producing nothing. But then if next week you decide to pray, guess what? Some things change in heaven because now you're producing. He about to come take the mic from me and just preach. He's so excited, he don't know what to do. That's how it is when it's real, man. Now, I preach, the first sermon I preached at a church, down south of my previous church, I was preaching, and there was a guy sitting over there on the edge of his seat. I'm serious. He was just like, oh, God. I really thought that dude was going to take that mic from me. I called him out to him. I said, look at this brother smiling like a Kool-Aid commercial. Okay? But this will help you understand, though, why all false religions use incense. The false always imitates the real. And they can't produce the real, but let's get as close as possible. Satan says, okay, now we can't remember. Satan is always trying to imitate God. So he says, now, man, their prayers are being turned into incense. That's so beautiful, but we can't do that because we can't create nothing. So all we can do is take what God created and put it on a stick and let some smoke come up, and that's the closest we can get to it. Oh, man. I think this church is going to blow up this year. And the year after that. And the year after that. What are we going to do when 10,000 starts showing up a month? We'll figure out something. All of us are going to be a pastor and prophet and a priest. And... How y'all 
got a gazillion churches. You have to blame it on him. He said to follow us, and he never takes you lower. He always takes you higher. Oh, man. Okay, so now there are principles in the Bible when it comes to building up rewards. It's clear from Scripture that you're producing something. But then this is where you call stacking and multiplying, where you're doing it, but how you do it will put rewards on top of that. So now we're talking about prayer, and we're doing fasting and prayer this month, but I'm going to throw in a couple of other ones too because it's in the same passage. You all ready? Matthew 6, 2 through 4. There are three things that the Bible always extremely specific about when it says doing it in secret. So when you give to the poor, oh, I'm sorry, wrong scripture. Go back. Matthew 6, 1. I didn't want to move too fast. Oh, there it is. Examine your motives to make sure you're not showing off when you do your good deeds, only to be admired by others. Otherwise, you will lose the reward of your heavenly father. So that lets you know there is a reward for doing good things. But what we don't want you to do is go out there on the street and you want to feed the homeless and do a selfie to show everybody on social media so that your likes can come up. Because when you do that, the likes will be the only reward that you will get. Because you were doing it to be seen. But you're supposed to only do it to be seen by your heavenly father and he will reward you openly. We're taking pictures with everybody all the time. You don't know these people. See yourself on the, go walk in the post office and your picture. Have you seen this individual? Like, that's me. <clears throat> Examine your motives to make sure you're not showing off when you do your good deeds, only to be admired by others. Now, that doesn't mean you won't be admired, but that's not the reason for doing it. Let's look at the next scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. This is all, I'm just kind of breaking them apart. This all is one chapter. So, when, so based on this principle, so when you give to the poor, don't announce it and make a show of it just to be seen by people like hypocrites in the streets and in the marketplace. They've already received their reward. But when you demonstrate generosity, do it with pure motives and without drawing attention to yourself. Give secretly and your father who sees all you do will reward you openly. I read that and I just kept reading it. Just that one phrase just spoke to me. Your father who sees all you do will reward you openly. Your father who sees all you do will reward you openly. Man, that's an amazing scripture. Your father who sees all you do, man, will reward you openly. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff that shows up in your life this year, and then I'm not even going to know where it came from. How'd you get that? That's a secret. Can't tell you that. I can tell you where to go get the secret. <clears throat> then he, so that's given. Then he moves over to prayer. Matthew 6, 5. So that's wonderful that our prayers are producing incense, but then when you do it this way, it then adds more reward to it. Whenever you pray, be sincere and not like the pretenders who love the attention they receive while praying before others in the meeting and on the street corners. 
believe me, they've already received in full their reward. Which means there was another reward. But because they did it wrong, they just received the reward for doing it wrong. There's a reward for doing it right and a reward for doing it wrong. And the reward for doing it wrong is not always wrong. It's just only what you get. You wanted attention, so when you did it, you got attention. So that's your reward, is attention. And the feeling that comes from thinking people, from people thinking that you're deep. That's why, let me tell you something. I personally, when someone invites me to something, I usually, you know, if you're a pastor, everybody thinks that your prayers are more special than somebody else. I hate praying when I go to events and stuff. A couple of times, when doing, when I knew they were going to ask me to pray, so I just went to the bathroom, and they couldn't find me. And then after they prayed, I came on out. Oh, we were looking for you. I mean, I'm sorry. I was just in the bathroom. I've done that on purpose. I just sometimes want to go to a place and just chill. Why well, I got to pray? Yeah, your, my prayer is different than yours. I mean, it's the same prayer from the Bible. You said it in Jesus' name and amen. Is God going to listen to me? No, they just thank you deep and extra. And the worst one is I go to other churches. They always want me to pray over the offering. Because they know that, you know, prosperity on this ministry and we don't do offerings in the service. Oh, it must be something special on him. Yeah, well, just because I pray at your church don't mean more money is going to show up. You know what I'm saying? You got to do the right thing and walk in a grace and anointing for that. Well, you know, we need you to do the offering. Fine. Father, bless this mess and bring in some extra chips for these people. And And you just do it religiously because you know nothing is going to change. Not going to change. Offerings show up based on the culture there. Does, let me tell you something. Well, they're always telling human beings to look for good soil. The real question is, the real question is, does God think your church is good soil? For him to sow in. That's the real question. And if he doesn't think your church is good soil, you're going to have to beg and do several offerings because it's not good soil. And therefore, you're going to have to finance your own program. Oh, man. Hey, it's, I don't, it's, it's a female pastor, I won't mention the state. Female pastor. Um, same situation. And she found out about us. And she said, I'm struggling financially. I didn't even tell her what to do. One of y'all told her what to do. What you need to do is just stop doing offerings in the service and trust God. She says, you know what? I don't have no money anyway. I might as well try that. <laughs> Finances at the church blew up. Blew up. Because sometimes, oh man, sometimes you might need to stop doing offerings to see if God is really with you. Because if you stop it and it keeps showing up, then this God said, you ain't stopping my show. But if you stop and it stops, well, you might want to go back to the Lord in prayer and get a new blueprint. Because apparently he don't believe in financing yours. I should be looking at the cameras and not y'all. Y'all done heard this for years. It's a wonderful feeling, y'all. To not be concerned about that. And I understand the nervousness and the fear, and, and you're always trying to raise money for programs, but the question is, is the program of God or of you? That's the question. There is no program that you will institute of God that you will have to raise money for unless the Lord says it. Because you know? sometimes he will give you an opportunity to sow in what he did. That's why I don't have a whole bunch of extra programs, and people have left the church because of that. And I don't have a problem with that. People love Jesus. I mean, Jesus made one statement and it said a large number of disciples no longer walked with him because they were so fickle, one statement drove them away. And the Bible says this, they left to prove they were never with you in the first place. I'll leave that alone. Let's read Matthew 6, 5 again. Whenever you pray, be sincere and not like the pretenders. You know what? 
I, just something came to my mind. I never forget my grandfather. He's in heaven now. I'm sure he'd laugh at this. And so at, um, at our family gatherings years ago, the whole family would come together. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. Um, and so we, we had the tradition of doing this. Someone would say a simple prayer. Father, we bless this food in the name of Jesus. And then every single person in the room had to give a Bible verse. You know, blessed are the poor for they shall make. What does it got to do with eating? You know, <laughs> blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And, and, uh, and Jesus wept. And, and How many ever came from a family where one person said the grace and then everybody had to say a Bible verse? That's how I grew up. But this year, my grandfather had been made a deacon at his church. And I knew we were in trouble. Kimberly, you were there, weren't you? And Stacy was there. And, 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 and I knew we were in trouble. And I'm, I'm getting my Bible verse ready. And here it came. Here it comes. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We know that you are able. And everybody had one eye open like, did something change? Y'all, I'll never forget that. Everybody's just like, he went on so long that his wife started going off on while he was praying. <laughs> oh, he's going in like them diggers at them black Baptist churches and white Baptists too. They do the same thing. Matter of fact, Chinese Baptists, all the Baptists are the same. They all do that singing. <laughs> Grandmother went in the other room. Somebody go in there and tell him to shut up. The man is praying. That was not a good day in the Turnbull household. And they can laugh about that because they all in heaven. If they were still living, I wouldn't share that story. See, he got caught up. <laughs> and he wanted to impress us with his newfound prayers. The Lord says, no, don't do that. You ever been so hungry that you can't even say grace over your food because your mouth is salivating so much? That's me all the time. I'm like, Lord, you understand. You're so hungry, you can't even get the prayer out. Cause I... <laughs> oh, man. So he said, that's how he's supposed to pray. So in, in verse 6, Matthew 5, 6, he said, whenever you pray, go into your innermost chamber and be alone with Father God, praying to him in secret. And your father, who sees all you do, will reward you openly. That's why people can't understand the dominance of this small ministry. Because it's not what we're showing you on social media. It's what we're doing in our closets. And the closet is not a real closet. It's just a place in, spot, in planet Earth where God speaks to you. There are some men, uh, for me, when the Lord speaks to me, it's in the shower. There are other men, when they go pray, they go sit in the driveway in their car. Others, they have to go to a park. It's a particular place. Some people, they have a prayer room. You understand? Where's the place where you go and you're just getting it in with God, getting it in with God, and the one who sees all that you do will reward you openly. And when he rewards you openly, no man can close that door. Then the next one is fasting. Matthew 6, 16. When you fast, don't look like those who pretend to be spiritual. <laughs> they want everyone to know that they're fasting. So they appear in public looking miserable, gloomy, disheveled, ashy, hair not done. Believe me, they've already received their reward in full. 
Do you know the reward for that is? When, some, when you act that way when you're fasting and somebody says, that's a, an attention getter. So when somebody says, you're doing all right, baby. That was your reward right there because that's what you wanted. So I said, no, that ain't the way to fast. He, he said, show everybody that you still got it together. You know what I'm saying? Do your hair and put some lotion on and some lip gloss and, man, put some, some, some lotion on your knees and your cankles and you know, do all that type of stuff. Brush your teeth. Use some mouthwash. Get some gum. Do, do something. Look good. You know, what God, you know what God is saying? You know what he's saying to you? When you're fasting, you are actually producing, thing, producing things worthy of a king. You walking around like you in mourning. Because that doesn't impress God. It's the fasting that, that impresses God. Not how you look when you fast. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I see, you know, I got a couple of ladies here. They serve in children's church and, and, and high heels. I'm like, how do y'all do that? I'll be in there with some loafers and some flip-flops on. They're like, oh, they got to shine all the time. Shine in here, shine on the street, shine in children's church. They're going to always have on high heels. I can't. Well, I'm not wearing high heels anyway, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, there are men that do that. Prince did that. Prince wore high heels because he was so short. I don't care how short I am. I'm not wearing no heels. My dress shoes already hurt, let alone some heels. I don't see how women do it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So verse 17 and 18, he says, when you fast, don't let it be obvious. Instead, wash your face, groom yourself, and realize that your father in the secret place is the one who is watching all that you do in secret and will continue to reward you openly. So this is not a one-time thing. As you do these things, he's going to make sure that you shine based on what you do in secret. Okay. Now, those are three things he said to do in secret. Now, our focus was on prayer, but he said give in secret, pray in secret. Now, now that doesn't mean... See, that proves that you're not supposed to come together and pray in tongues. No, he's talking about motive. The disciples prayed together. Jesus prayed together. Y'all, people are always looking for a reason for them to love love. So giving, praying, and fasting. And, and to let you know that he was talking about treasure. And the very next work, this is what he says. Very next verse, Matthew 6, 19. So don't keep hoarding up for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. And listen to what he's talking about. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. So the context here is material wealth. Because there's material wealth in planet Earth and there's material wealth in planet heaven. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart, for your heart will always preserve what you value as your treasure. So what is he talking about? Material wealth. Because apparently, in heaven, when you spend time in prayer and you spend time in fasting and you spend time giving in planet Earth in, in, in secret, it produces an open ward down here and it produces material wealth up there. I'm reading it. See, people have never heard this, so you got to think about this. Wait a minute. God, God seemed like he all about the money. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, now listen to what Jesus said, you know. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came so that you might have life and life more abundantly. 
What makes people think God has anything to do with poverty except eradicating it is beyond me. And nobody likes poverty. Anybody who does, they're just pretending. They pretend like they like poverty because they can't see any hope for future prosperity. That's all. And so you, you, you accept your lot in life because you, and what happens is your, your dream machine turns off. You can't see your life getting any better, so you just accept poverty. And to make you feel comfortable and religious, you say, then God wants you to be broke. No, that's, that's just, if he wanted you to be broke, and, and he's the same yesterday and today and forever, then he wouldn't be building mansions for you in heaven. He'd be building two shacks. Caddy shacks. Just shacks. <laughs> so, he said, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasure. Instead, stockpile. You know what you do? I know when you are stockpiling something. He said stockpile treasures on the other side. And it's called material wealth. I don't believe that. Well, you stay broke then. <clears throat> so y'all got that. So when you pray, not only when you pray, you're getting answers to prayer. You're killing Satan, causing other things to happen, allowing God to move. And then when you pray, your prayers are turned into incense for heaven to use for other purposes. And maybe that's one of the reasons why there's a reward for it, because God has to pay you for what you gave him. And so then as a reward for that, then the reward increases more if you pray in secret and have the right motives. And then the reward increases even more if you add fasting to the prayer. See that? That's what you call, that's why God is in the multiplication and not addition. That's why he said, I will multiply you because it's based on these type of things. And so then let's look at Jesus' attitude. You know, I think we're just about done. Yeah, we are. Just wanted to show you something. John 7, 3 through 4. And Jesus' brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. So it seems like Jesus had this big public ministry, and he did, but it's only because his heavenly father kept rewarding him openly for what he was doing in secret. And he was trying to hide himself so much and do stuff in secret that it got on his brother's nerves. They said, hey, man, you're always trying to be secretive and trying to hide and do stuff behind the scenes. They said, nobody does that. That's how they thought. How I many you know the person that is around you, if they lie, they think you lying. Because if we were the sons of God, we'd be showing off and making money off this deal. You sitting up here trying to hide all the time. They said, go on out there and if you can do this stuff, show yourself to the world. Because Jesus was always hiding. John 17. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went secretly staying out of public view. I don't want to be seen. Mark 7, 35. Instant, this is after Jesus healed somebody. Instantly the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone. But the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news because they had the mentality. Oh no, everybody need to see this. Jesus said, no, they don't. And think about it. You, just, you heal somebody. You know how we are. Man, did we heal a few blind people? 
Y'all see it all over the YouTube. If we heal a few blind people, oh, we about to show, I'm about to show my people. They told me I wasn't close to God. They told me that I wasn't going to be nothing. I'm about to show you what I can do. Look at this man that I healed. And they're like, yeah, you lost your reward. Now you're about to lose your power. Jesus get a whole bunch of people healed. He tell the whole crowd, now look, I understand I cast these demons out of you. I understand that you're happy about the fact that your leg grew out. I understand that you can see and you can hear now, but I need you to hush about this. How many of you would pretty much disobey that rule too? I couldn't see nothing, and now I can see everything, and you telling me not to tell nobody. What is wrong with you, Jesus? It's easy for you to say that, Jesus. You've been seeing all the time. I don't even know what I'm looking at. I don't even know what that is. Are these humans or aliens, or is this what animals look like? Is that an apple? I don't even know what this is. I felt the rain, but now I can see it as I feel it, and you telling me to keep that quiet. Yeah, shh. It's not going to happen, Jesus. And he ain't listen to the man. No one, nobody. Every person that Jesus told to keep a secret, not one of them obeyed. And you, can, you can't blame them. You could, you've been lame for birth for 38 years, 40 years, 50 years, and now you can jump. And now you can run. And now you can walk. Now you can climb the stairs. And you're supposed to keep this quiet. Everybody know you can't walk. And they see you walking. How are you walking? Shh, can't tell nobody that. What is, I'm trying to help you understand why when Jesus told them to be quiet, they was like, uh, no, bro. I don't even really know who you are. Because they didn't know he was the son of God. Most people think they didn't know he was Jesus. Those people back then did not know Jesus was the son of God. It took a while for the disciples to believe he was the son of God. And the Bible says his own family members didn't believe he was the son of God. So all I know is this some dude that got me healed and told me to be quiet. No, dude, I appreciate the healing, but I can tell everybody this. You know how it is. Any of you had something to happen to you? And, and, and as Martin said, I got to look for somebody, tell somebody, tell somebody to know somebody. I mean, you just got to like, you just be looking for somebody. You ever done that? You say, who can I call right now? Mark 1.41, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anybody about this. Instead, just go to the priest privately and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. And this will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everybody what had happened. And as a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but the people from everywhere still kept coming to him. Everything he did, shh, don't tell nobody. Shh, don't tell anybody. Go to a fellowship. He, when he went secretly, it means he went into disguise of the type of clothes that they wear. You can wrap your face up. You still see that in, in some of the Jewish and Arab, even in some of the Indian and African continent, and even with the Chinese, they, they wrap themselves a particular way. It's cloaking. They wear these hoods and these wraps, and you know, Jesus didn't look like the American dude on TV. He wore turbans and different things like that. So he was able to wrap himself up in the disguise so they really couldn't see him. And, and everything he was trying to do was secret. It was always secret. It was secret when he prayed. That's why the disciples 
Do y'all know that the prayer is the only thing the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to do? Because he was always doing it in secret. Because he knew he was supposed to do it in secret. When he prayed and fasted, he did it in secret. So they never asked him to teach them how to do miracles. But when it came to certain things, he did it in secret. He didn't tell anybody. When he was given to the poor, he didn't tell anybody. So much so, you, you don't have on record one individual that Jesus gave. No poor individual. They never mentioned it by name. Because it was a secret. But, he, but God, he got blessed openly. I think it's Luke chapter, maybe Luke chapter 8 or Luke chapter 9 or even 10. It says that there was a large entourage that followed Jesus. And it says that the entourage were rich folk. One was the wife of the king's steward. And it, was a, it said a large multitude of people that were rich, and it mentioned certain names and certain individuals he had cast the demons out of, and it said they all followed Jesus wherever he went, and they were constantly giving him their substance. Why? That was the open reward for the giving that he did in private. So the Bible, watch this, that very law, the Bible shows you the open reward and tells you about that, but does not tell you who he gave to in secret. And when he showed it that way, he, he said, remember what he told the disciples? He said, you didn't give up anything. They said, we gave up everything to follow you. He said, no, you didn't. He said, it was just an exchange. You gave up one brother for many. You gave up one land for a whole bunch. And you gave up one house for several. And he said, what you gave up, the exchange is a hundredfold return before you die. You never give up anything. You just exchange it. When God asks you to give up something, it's because he thinks it's too low. It's too small. It's too mundane. Would you please give me that trash so I can turn it into some treasure, please? Give up that man. He raggedy. I got somebody better for you. Oh, Lord. That could go too many different ways. I always get scared. You want that low-level man. And he's been telling you to give up that low-level man that you're dating. But you won't give him up. That's for somebody on. Somebody watching me. You won't give him up. So, and because you won't give him up, God won't send the greater. Because the greater does not come until you give up the lower. You want the greater to show up to determine if you should get rid of the lower. Send me the money first and then I'll sow the seed. No, I'll sow the seed and I'll show you the money. Mark 4.22. Everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open. And every, did he not say every? Every secret will be brought to the light. Every secret, good or bad. See, I only got one more scripture, so I'm going to say this. That's why, y'all, I'm constantly ministering to people. Such, such, such person died. And I am never moved by who dies, good or bad, Christian or unbeliever, because I don't know what they were doing. You see these strange stories of a guy sitting in his living room watching the game and, and, and then the ground opens up underneath this guy. And it doesn't even swallow the whole house. It just swallows the room that he was in. Oh, it's a shock to my community. Not me. I want to know what that dude was doing in secret. A Christian died. I want to know what they were doing in secret. I don't want to know what they were believing in secret. I want to know what they were saying in secret. 
Because everybody puts up a good show when they're around other people. When they go home, they talk different. I'm always sick. And I've just learned it over time because of what I do. I end up interviewing family members, and they say, oh, they were always talking raggedy, or they're always in fear, and they're always this. And, and the biggest ones, um, I'm not moved by, and I'm not saying it's always wrong, because it's mysterious that you have people like Moses who died at 120, and then you have somebody in the Bible in the New Testament named Steve, Stephen, who did great miracles. And the Bible says he was full of integrity, but he got stoned to death. Why? He was having a vision of heaven. You can't always explain everything. Some things, sometimes the person dies and it fits into a formula. I was telling the guys this morning, there's something that you all must understand. It's not a coincidence that the Lord, I thought he had done some things in the past, but I misinterpreted it because I'm learning. But there are times and seasons for you to do certain things because it fits into other formulas. We love reading the Bible and all of the types and all of the shadows and all of the formulas and don't be ignorant of this one thing that one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. And we know that, that, that Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years. He was in the palace for 40 years and then he was in the wilderness for 40 years because he was going to spend another 40 years trying to get the people from the wilderness to the palace. And he died exactly at 120 years of age. And we see all of this symbolism and all of this numbering system and how other things would line up with this. And it just so happened that Jesus came 4,000 years later, not 1,000, 4,000. And, and I, without getting into too much detail, you see all of these types and all of these shadows and how Joseph and Joshua are Old Testament types of Jesus. That's why their age sometimes is the same and, and their principles are the same. And, and you, you see 30, Jesus sold out for 33 pieces of silver, but you see that same number attached to Joseph. I think I said Jesus and Joseph. You see all of these different type of things, and, and we know that mainly the body of Christ has still not tapped into all that it is when it comes to the numbering system. Right. It's a whole book of the Bible called Numbers. Right. And they don't, as soon as you bring up numbers, <laughs> where's uh, Marlon? Hold up. Where's that microphone? Marlon, share with me what you shared. Share with them what you shared with me yesterday. Because like, I'm always telling you that God is using numbers in your life. With us, he's always using five. When I lost my house years ago, you know, you're depressed and everything. Not y'all, but me. But, but the Lord didn't share with her later that you lost that house and you were five months pregnant with your fifth child. The fifth child name is Grace, middle name, which is the number five. And you stayed with another couple for five months. I made the mistake. So how did he work that equation? There are some mistakes that you might be led to make. That's going to sound crazy, and I might not have said that right. But y'all understand what I'm saying? We, the, I hate to say this, but we haven't been taught nothing. Everybody's just scared to teach the deep stuff. And that's all that Jesus taught. The whole Bible is deep. You understand what I'm saying? And so I was talking to Marlon, and he was telling me about... Girl, just share with them right quick. You can come up because he looks nice and everything. So, so What's up, y'all? So share with them what you shared with me, and I'm going to show you how this ties into something. Oh, yeah. So yesterday I was talking to Pastor Oth, and I was telling him that this year, 2021, right, is the 21st year in the, in the new millennia, which is three sevens. Mm -hmm. Me and my wife will be married for seven years this April. 
I'm turning 30 in two weeks. She's turning 33 in April. This would be Eliana's first birthday. And I've been saved for 12 years. So it's just all those numbers that just kept. I was telling him, I said, there's no way how this is a coincidence. He's like, oh, no, brother. This ain't no coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, all of those numbers, 7, 12, 30, 33, 21, which is 7 times 3. Okay, now that's in his life, but it fits into the equation of this ministry, which is the ninth year, which is three times three. Right, right. To a ministry that we're connected to that this is their 40th year. Okay. So God is working formulas. It's all, thank you, that's what he does. He's just always working, he's working signs and wonders, and, and see, but those numbers usually only show up when a ministry is in the will of God. Always remember this, if you're out the will of God, the numbers won't line up. Some of the stuff that I say, I'm just amazed at what I say because it's not me saying it. Amen. Holy Ghost gives it to me. It comes out a little ghetto sometimes. And, <laughs> but y'all usually get the point. It's a little ghetto in everybody. Okay, I'll just set this right here. So I saw that to say that when the Bible stopped, it still continued to be written. Just the books are in heaven now. And the Bible gives you a general point of view. There are, you'll see the detailed point of view when we get to heaven, how there's a mathematical system that computers cannot keep up with. Did you all know that in the first five books of the Bible, that in the Hebrew, every word can be divided by seven? That's one of the ways the Hebrew rabbis can tell you if the translation is off, can it be divided by seven? That's why you don't see programs about the Bible being fake. They came out with the computer and thought, here it is, y'all. We, oh, we didn't know that the computer would find out that there is a mathematical formula in the Bible that nothing could ever invent. Every word can be divided by seven. There are like 33 variations of the words being divided by seven in Genesis 1-1 alone. If you take the whole sentence, because, see, y'all got me all track now, maybe because it was my last scripture. We always have a deep moment, don't we? She's like, no, 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 don't stop now, don't stop now. <laughs> okay? So, um, the, uh, um, it's called the Gamatra. Um, and scientists really don't like it because they just are baffled by this. And so if you take, you know, we, in, in the United States, we have the alphabet which is the letter system, and then we have the uh, numerical number system. So A, B, C, D, E, F, G, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and they're separate from one another. Well, in the Hebrew language, they are not separate, they are one. Every letter has a numerical value. And so if those letters make up a word, now that word has a numerical value. Y'all follow me? Okay? And so... So every letter has a numerical value, and so every word has a numerical value. And so in Genesis 1-1, I might be off a little bit, in Genesis 1-1 alone, there are like 33 or 40 variations of things that can be divided by seven. So for example, if you take the numerical value of in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, if you take the numerical value of that, it can be divided by seven. 
If you take all of the nouns and add those up, it can be divided by seven. If you take the first letters of every word, it's divided by seven. If you take the last letter of every word, it's divided by seven. And then it gets into all of that type of stuff that my wife and Violet and others are expert at when it comes to, you know, the, the proverbs, see I'm saying the wrong pronouns and, 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 and the subject matter and the, and the adjectives and the verbs and, and the tense and, and all that stuff I really didn't learn. I did, but I don't know how to put it together correctly. You take each one of those things and like if you take the subject matter um, of that verse, um, it can be divided by seven. It's like 33 variations. 33 or 42, I can't remember which one it is. Just in Genesis 1-1. And I can't figure out how in the world do you create one sentence about what actually happened and the whole thing is divided by seven. So guess what? God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that's why sometimes you try to make a move now and it's like you're at a brick wall because the numbers don't line up yet. And we don't know nothing about numbers. So we just stay confused. You understand what I'm saying? And it's a, it's, a, it's a hard thing because when you don't understand what God understands, you sometimes will have a problem following him because you don't understand. Why can't I move yet? Because the numbers don't line up yet. I'm living with this other couple. How come I can't make, get my own place yet? Because five months hasn't hit yet. And the five months got to coincide with the five months of being pregnant. They got to coincide with the child's name, which is Grace, her middle name, which is the number five. So I can't let you leave yet until the numbers line up. Which will help you understand why sometimes God has you at a place longer than you want to stay. Or make you leave sooner than you want to leave. Or why you're not married yet. Or why sometimes you have children at a particular time. Or maybe while you only have two children and someone else will have eight because it's a whole number system that has to line up. But you've never been taught how important you are. So you'd never think God would use you that way. I'm just a lowly servant in the kingdom of God. And that's what the preacher told me. And I told him about my dreams, but he doesn't believe in that. I told him about my gifting, but he doesn't accept that. And when they keep telling you what you're not, you will believe the preacher more than you will believe God. And that was my main problem. I never believed preachers, period. Amen. And my dad taught me that. He sit all of us down. He stays in Kimberly, sit us down in the living room. We had already been to church. And he'd come home and he'd sit down for another Bible study. He'd always telling us, don't be listening to these preachers. He said, listen to this Bible. And that's where I got that type of maybe, I guess, Holy Ghost type of arrogance. I'll listen to the word before I listen to any preacher, including my spiritual dad, period. Because nobody's perfect. You understand what I'm saying? So that's what help you understand, you know, you know, what's wonderful about this stuff as this ministry opens up these things to the world, everybody's about to get their excitement back yes. and their fire back. Yes. Because before you were just reading the Bible and you really wasn't seeing anything. You really wasn't learning anything. It's because you were reading it through the eyes of men and not God. Yes. And men gonna always tell you what you can't do and what you can't have. That doesn't really mean it. If it doesn't mean that. Then how come he didn't say that? How come mommy said it? Then if it doesn't mean it, you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So that's why. That numbering system is still in place. It didn't stop at the end of Revelation. It's still going on. And each one of us are a piece of God's equation. That's why there are some people that are preordained for salvation. They got to be in so the numbers line up. <laughs> I'm trying to let this go, Jesus. He won't let me let it go. You understand? I told you we were on a new mountain, didn't I? 
I don't know if we're going to be able to breathe when we get to the top of this one. Hey, I don't even know where my iPad is. See, this is what I mean by, when go, see, the world is supposed to go down. And to the degree that they go down, we're supposed to go up. The world is supposed to get dumber and dumber. Anytime you end a prayer by saying a man and a woman, you dumb. And my wife will tell you, I'm not into calling people out of name, but every once in a while, you got to let one out like Jesus said. He said, you fools. You're supposed to be an ordained minister, and you're going to end the prayer by saying a man and a woman? What is wrong with you? You're going to make your grandmama get up out the grave and smack your behind. But see, as the world gets dumber and dumber, the law of opposites in the, in the kingdom, we're supposed to get wiser and wiser. And as they get stupider and stupider, we start tapping the concepts, and they're going to pay attention to the screen like, scientists looking at each other like, what are they talking about? And like, now that makes sense, but we never learned that before. That's what the, the Lord said, that there was going to come a time in the end days, and it wouldn't be a whole bunch, it would be very few, where the world would be forced to come to the church. Because we would walk in things that they don't think exist. Hallelujah. And you can't do that by being dumb. You got to accept the whole Bible. Well, you know, we don't believe in all of the number stuff. Oh, okay. Well, I guess you got to take a whole. I'm wondering about what revelation is in the book of Numbers. But guess what you do? You do what I do. Well, I think I'm going to skip on over to the next book of the Bible. <laughs> I ain't trying to. I ain't, yeah. All these numbers and I never was good at math. And I think I'm going to just skip over that. And everybody skipped over it. How many of y'all skipped over it too? Some of y'all just read it just religiously. You didn't read it looking for nothing. You didn't read it looking for patterns. You just read it because it was in the Bible. I'm supposed to read it. Didn't know that there were secrets in the book. of A whole book called Numbers. A whole book. And you never, you know, one of my favorite, one of, one of my favorite, uh, chapters in the Bible that I didn't read for years was the genealogy of Jesus. And for years I didn't read that. I was like, I don't know who these people are, all these 1,500 names, and, and Jesus, and, and his father was this, and, and he was the son of this, and he was the son of this, and he was the son of this, and he was the son of Jesse, and he was the son of Obed-Edom, and he was the son, and you look at, oh, oh, oh I'm going to just get to the point. And I just skip over to the next chapter. But then one day I was reading it, and, and, and the last sentence shook me. He said, he was the son of this, and he was the son of this, and he was the son of this, and he was the son of this. You spend 10 minutes reading that whole chapter, and he was the son of this, and he was the son of this, and he was the son of this. And watch this. Then it said, and he was the son of Adam, but Adam was the son of God. And when I read that, I was like, oh. That's crazy. That's what the last statement said. That Adam was the son of God. So when it comes to telling you who Adam's father was, it said the one who sits on the throne calls Adam a son of God, but they don't want to accept that title. I'd rather be human. You'd be my guest. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad, righteous or wicked, wonderful or terrible, Okay, so 
Can I share with y'all a secret? Y'all remind me. No, matter of fact, I don't want to. Never mind. I'll be all right. Share with y'all a secret. This is really, really amazing how you're constantly learning. This is, I wouldn't know how to explain it. <laughs> but there will be times when I, I'll, I'll meditate the word, right? And then I get so excited, I start practicing. I mean, I start like preaching it. And all of this revelation would start coming to me. And there would be an anointing that came to me, you know? And, I'm like, and the stuff that would come to me in my private would be mind-blowing. Now, now, this is a different lesson here. <laughs> and and, and there would be, a, 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 like, something would turn on. And, I, and I, would, I was, like, preaching to y'all, but it was in the privacy of my own bedroom. And this revelation is coming. And, and I almost felt like T.D. Jakes, boom, boom, boom. And then I would come and preach it that morning, and it would never happen that way. It would never happen that way. It'd be just as flat. I'm dead serious. It happened this past Saturday. No, Wednesday night. It'd be just as flat. And that was just bothering me. I was like, well, Lord, in private, it was, okay, yeah. man, it was like, wham. It was, man, that revelation be flying. I mean, I'd be standing up there like, ah. I mean, it was just, I mean, I felt like T.D. Jakes and the revelation was flowing. And so then, based on what happened in the privacy of my bedroom, I would then try to come and use those same examples and preach the same way. Never happened. And I never asked God the question why, but I was pondering it in my heart. Took a shower two days. Well, I take a shower every day, but the other day I was in the shower and, and the Holy Spirit just said that. He said, don't show up because when you do it in the service, it would be acting. And I don't anoint actors in pulpits. That's for TV. How you, do you, do you, the concepts of heaven are beyond real. Yeah, you did it in private, but now you're trying to react in public what you did in private. Which means if you react in public what you did in private, I am not there. That's you. So now I don't do that anymore. I made that decision. I, I was in the house. I, I, I sat on off. Holy Spirit, I just want to thank you. I got it. I got it. Now I understand. It wasn't me being a nefarious type of individual and trying to pull some heebie-jeebie on people. It's just the revelation was so good in private. I said, oh, I'm all, and it never happened. He'd be just as flat, and I'd be at home. So it was a terrible message today. And the Holy Spirit would come another way. So, I, so now what I'm going to do is just meditate the word. Don't be sitting up there preaching on your bed, standing up. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why about 80% of what I said today I never heard before. You get little hints like when Marlon and I shared with him, he said today, some of the stuff that came out of my mouth were like the numbers not lining up. I've never heard that before. But when you say it and it's the Holy Ghost, everybody confirms in their heart, oh yeah, we know that's true. It's crazy, but it's true. You never heard it, but you know it's true. Whole book of numbers. What's in there that we have not tapped into yet? The Bible says about the book of Revelation, it's a special blessing on those read it and hear it. But we stay away from it. And because you stay away from it, you never find the treasures that are in it. So, but it is what it is. But how many know we're getting better? Every day. All day. <laughs> okay. So, I'm excited. Are you starting to begin to understand why the Bible was so adamant about us studying the subject of heaven? 
Because when you start looking at that place to get answers for real, the answers down here change. Because now, just what I said about the numbering system, that makes you want to read the Bible different now. Y'all going to go home today. Numbers. You go, you're just going to look at the word. Jesus, I need your help right now. And let me say something. The substance of the seed that you put in you is what causes the understanding. If you read the book of Numbers and don't understand anything, the seed is in you still and give you revelation about something else. And you can just go to God and say, Lord, what number, what number, what patterns do you use with me? He might speak it. He might bring to your attention. I don't see that type of stuff. My wife sees that stuff. I would have never figured out. All I remember is I lost the house and I felt bad. And, and, and time will go by. The Holy Spirit told her, hey, this, 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 this. And it's a bunch of other stuff that he shared with her. Just cut this, 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 this. And we'll begin to see, oh, wow. You, how do you make the mistake? And it still lines up. Because God is a master at taking even our mistakes. You know? You lost the business. You're depressed. But when you get back on your feet, you're able to minister to somebody else that lost the business. You wouldn't be able to minister to them effectively if you hadn't lost your business. So sometimes God lets you lose right now so that you can win in the future and then help other people who are lost back at that moment to help them win in the future. Anything that happened in your life, you have a death in the family. But then when somebody else's dad dies, you're able to minister to them because your dad died. You understand what I'm saying? That's why you, the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. So I can only imagine the things that we're going to learn. It's going to be a wonderful year and a wonderful 2022 and 2023. But 2021 is significant. I am surprised that nobody has come up with some heebie-jeebie mess so far. But, but 2021, that is significant, the number 21. Those, are two, that's, those seem to be God's two favorite numbers is three and seven. Both of them are based on perfection. Okay, Some people think seven is more of a number of perfection more than three, but it's both. Um... So it's just amazing. Y'all excited? Yes. Let's go ahead and stand.